0: Are your kids home from school for the rest of the year? Are you a seasoned homeschooler seemingly stuck in a rut? Are you thinking you're going to lose your mind? We are Morgan, Nisha, and Sylvia, and we can probably help you with that. We are three homeschooling moms with over 50 years of combined experience and the hosts of The Harmonious Homeschooler. We created this podcast to help demystify the world of homeschooling. We want you to be successful, bringing you tips, knowledge, and advice that we have used over the years. Please join us every Monday morning with your beverage of choice to learn more about how easy and joyful schooling at home can be.
1: We hear you. We've seen all the memes and laughed at all the jokes, but underneath the gallows humor, what we've found is that along with the worry of the current global situation, lots of families are experiencing a serious struggle with what it means to homeschool. Our goals in starting this podcast are to reframe the discussion away from the focus on the difficulty of homeschooling and the unpleasantness of being home with kiddos all day to show our listeners the joy and fun that is possible to find on this kind of educational journey, whether temporary or permanent. Your kids might go back to school, but we may be able to help you find opportunities to take something deeper away from this experience. For our veteran homeschooling friends, we hope to be a place where you can drop in, have a laugh and regroup, and we definitely wanna hear from you. So let's introduce ourselves.
0: Hey there, my name is Morgan. I've been a homeschooling mom of three for just about six years now. Our family relocated from South Carolina to Delaware in 2016 when my husband was transferred to Philadelphia for work. We started on the typical route of the private school, private preschool through the toddler years before moving on to our neighborhood public school. We thought as many people do that there was this specific path that we needed to follow. And that's exactly what we were doing until we recognized that it wasn't going to work. My two oldest boys have some special needs and learning differences. One is classified as twice exceptional, which we'll get into later. The other has dyslexia, dysgraphia, dyscalculia, and an anxiety disorder that was brought on by his experience in the traditional school setting. It was abundantly clear that the needs of our children couldn't be met by this system. Private school was out of the question, given my husband's recent job transition, so homeschooling was really the only option left. We felt at that point that we had nothing to lose, and despite being terrified and absolutely clueless, we dove in headfirst with both boys. It was an immediate success. We knew within months that this was the solution we'd been searching for. By the time our youngest was ready for formal instruction, we were very much settled into our routine, and she just eased right into our existing day as if she'd been there all along. All three of my children are thriving, and I'm incredibly fortunate to be able to provide them with the childhood they deserve. Nisha, hi
2: everyone. I'm Nisha. Your feedback. Um, I live up here in Vermont, and we've been homeschooling since 2011. Uh, we got on this route when my oldest was five, and up here in Vermont, kindergarten screening starts in the spring before they enter kindergarten. So when we went through that, um, there wasn't enough spots for, for us to be able to get in because of the fact that, um, it needed to be first come first serve as far as educational and developmental needs and then income level. And since we didn't meet any of that, we were denied, um. And because our child tested off the charts, we were scolded by the administration for having a child who already knew how to read and write and do math with ease. Uh, We were asked to go through special testing, which showed at the age of five that she could read and comprehend at a fifth grade level. The school system said we had two choices. We could put her in first grade at the age of six when it was mandatory here in Vermont, or she could be put into at the age of five in with fourth, fifth and sixth graders. And for my husband and I, that really wasn't an option. We didn't want our five-year-old in with preteens and teenagers. We looked at doing a private school, except they wanted to keep our oldest in the class with her peers, but wanted us to pay double the tuition to hire a special teacher to come in, to create a curriculum and to execute the planning class, doubling the cushion toss. And that was not even an option. We, sorry, no, wasn't gonna happen. So we turned to homeschooling here in Vermont. We have just have to show academic process. So when it came time for my oldest to turn five, we didn't even bother with the kindergarten screening. We just jumped that jumped her right into homeschooling. How about you, Sylvia?
1: Um, my name is Sylvia. We live in Connecticut. We came to homeschooling our kids when we moved to Dubai in 2008. Um, Dubai has literally hundreds of for-profit schools to choose from, and for me, it was a question of being overwhelmed by a system that I did not and still do not understand, and we were also kind of broke when we moved there, Um, so our kids were kind of had an interview at this super prestigious school, and they, we had been there maybe four days, and it was probably 110 degrees, we had got the three of them into a taxi, we had a map, but our driver would not look at our map. So we drove out to the desert and the oldest began to throw up and then the middle one began to throw up and then the youngest began to throw up. And so I was there covered and throw up, standing on the side of the highway in Dubai, trying to hail another taxi to get us back to where we were living. And I called the school that we were registered or we were supposed to um, be evaluated at. And they told me that we had to show up. It was a really prestigious and important school that I was lucky to even have the opportunity to speak with them. (laughs) And I basically said, thank you. I don't think that we're your school material. (laughs) um, We went back to our apartment and I just was kind of like, I had no way of figuring out kind of what the system was and how it was going to work. But I knew that we were in a new country with all these kind of new social and cultural opportunities and I didn't want to see them stuck in a classroom and I didn't have a car and I did not want to try to do that every day. So a friend of a friend kind of recommended homeschooling and since then we've kind of done school at home. We've done total unschooling. We spent I think fifth grade at the beach. We've been partners in a community-based Steiner school. We've done online Steiner schooling um, and we've gone to an experimental school in the Scottish Highlands, and now our kids are finishing up at a quote unquote regular high school. Um, Our eldest was admitted by invitation to college at 17. Our middle son will start a community college in the fall. Our youngest is really interested in going to a private high school, but that may not be an affordable option for us. So we're looking at some alternatives, including a low residency high school program. Um, And my biggest takeaway from all of these experiences is that school is not education. In order to be education, schooling needs to be organized around the needs of students. Students whose emotional, social and spiritual needs are met are going to be successful pretty much whatever they do because they know how to learn and they know how to identify their own needs and be in touch with that. So today, I think we're gonna just talk about seven things that you can do right now to stop making school a nightmare. And that's kind of our our opening gambit. So, and the first one that comes to mind for me is that good sleep and good food equals happy kids and good health, which everyone is worried about right now. So what do you guys think?
0: Definitely, so for me and our family, we feel right now, more than ever, that it's critically important to focus on physical health, especially given the situation that we're all facing with this with this global health crisis. And the best way to do that is to foster proper rest. That's really not always easy with children. Um, and we've found that routine rather than strict schedules are much more conducive to quality sleep. My youngest is six. My other two boys are 10 and 13. They're pretty capable of knowing what their bodies need and, and instituting that sleep routine on their own. My six year old, it's mutiny if we don't, um, provide her that structure. So we know in our house after dinner, you brush teeth, you put your pajamas on, you read your story, and then you, you hop into bed and, and that's what we do. And that's trigger. It's a trigger for her body, a physical trigger to sort of start initiating that sleep process. So With our daytime activities being canceled now, our family is definitely staying up later every night. But as long as we maintain that routine, they're still getting about 12 to 13 hours of sleep a night, waking up in the morning when their bodies are ready. We don't wake them up for any reason, especially now. Uh, And it's been really helpful for us to sort of combat everything that's going on. Nisha, what about your house? Our house is kind of all over the place. Um, My girls
2: are serious into dancing. So usually when classes are going on, um, their classes end anywhere between 9 and 10 o'clock at night. So when they come home, they still need to eat something and then do their nighttime routine and go to bed. And we try to have them in bed around 10.30 every night. Um, A lot of the times when we don't have class, especially late, Lately, since it's all been closed, um, the kids put themselves to bed, and it's all because, like what Morgan said, it's the whole foster of a routine where they know what they have to do, and when they're tired, they just automatically start doing it. Mind you, my kids are thirteen and eleven, and um, but
1: Nisha, how many how many hours a night? I think like I'm I'm surprised. Like I know that that's great that Morgan's kids get. 12 to 13 hours, that's amazing. But how many kid, hours a night do your kids get, do you know?
2: Um, They put themselves to bed between 9.30 and 10. And then they get up between six and eight usually. Oh, ouch. So, <laughs> But that's natural, we don't wake them up. Um, Cassie, well, maybe the chickens wake them up. Let's be honest, maybe the chickens, because they squawk. <laughs> And that's Cassie's thing. So um, Cassie gets up and she deals with the chickens and stuff. And then Allie pounces down whenever she wakes up. And then they start their morning routine. Gotcha.
1: Yeah, my kids, but, I don't yeah. know. They're all over the place. They, like, they go to bed at one or two in the morning. I don't know what they do because I definitely don't sleep. them. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, okay. Yeah. Point number two, learning does not only happen with a lesson plan while you're seated at the desk. And we were talking about this the other day and Morgan told this great story that she told, to explain to one of her friends. So Morgan, share that with us again, if you don't mind.
0: Yeah, so we've all sort of been conditioned to think that learning happens in a very strict setting. You you hop on a bus in the morning and you go to school and you sit at a desk and your teacher stands up at the board and, and begins this lesson. So our, we are conditioned to believe that that is how learning happens. and? Veteran homeschoolers are very familiar with this term de-schooling, which is basically a time to sort of reset your brain and erase all of these preconceived notions of what learning is. And all of uh, the friends of mine that have kids in traditional school are just now sorting to realize that. uh, A friend of mine said that she sort of felt like she was a failure at this, that she wasn't going to be able to educate her kids. She had sent them outside to the backyard so that she could have some time to decompress where they built fairy houses for an afternoon. They grabbed tools out of the garage, saws, measuring tapes. They collaborated with each other on this design of a fairy house. They measured the pieces to make them all the same size, worked together, came up with this design and executed it. And I don't think that she was aware until I pointed it out to her how much educational value was in that. Industrial arts, uh, recognizing social cues, working as a team, creative endeavors are all very Important And those are life skills that people need in order to function in society as adults. So once you have the ability to distance yourself from that idea that learning only happens in a very controlled and scripted atmosphere, you're going to be able to ascribe educational value to even the simplest of tasks.
1: Yeah, and one of the things I think I've found for my kids and high schoolers is that when they've entered a traditional school, they've had really good experiences because they're interested in what they can learn and not as interested in what their grades are. And so they're a little bit like super teacher pleasers because their teachers are always like, I haven't really had anyone in a long time who really just wants to learn the math. Um, For the sake of learning. They're, yeah, they're really away from the idea that like you're, that the grade is the most important thing. And it's the thing that to me, as my kids have gotten older, that I really hate. Like, I think it's just so. Like, grades are not everything. They're not. They're just whatever. You can learn all kinds of things, and a well earned C is way more important than like an A that you didn't do anything for. Anyway, all right. So, along that those lines, one of the things number three would be you do not have to accomplish everything. Um the idea of sitting in front of a computer for eight hours a day to f- fulfill like 200 worksheets or whatever, that, that is just not so, a way that a kid is going to learn. And I think Nisha said it the other day, like about that kids are not going to take away how many worksheets they did. So run with that. Tell me about because I love that. <laughs>
2: um, basically, um... And had a mom get a hold of me because when this whole school shutdown thing happened in Vermont, oodles of parents contacted me saying, what do we do? How do we do this? One mom from a Waldorf school came with a whole pamphlet. We're talking easily, I don't know, half an inch worth of paperwork that they had to do just for the day. And it was an amazing amount of problems just for math. I mean, typically math for, and these are second graders, mind you. So they're what, eight, nine years old in that cusp of the age. Um, You don't do that many math problems a day. You do what, maybe five, 10 math problems a day. And you just kind of work through and take everything else out of that environment and do something else, whether it be skip counting with jump ropes and whatnot. But they literally sat at the table and had to do all of this amazing amount of work. And It was funny because as I told the mom, when I started homeschooling, the best advice that I was given was you add 15 minutes for the child's age. So if a child is one, you worry about learning to walk maybe 15 minutes out of the day. You take five minutes here, five minutes there. At four, you're up to an hour. Um, My child, my oldest is 13 and she does about three and a half hours of work a day and you want to know something, it's right on par, because as soon as we almost hit that three and a half hour mark, her quality of learning and her actual attention span just goes out the window, it's gone. Um, So you have all these children, like I said, parents are sending home all this work, busy work on top of it, for eight hours a day or nine hours a day worth of work. They're doing it, but they're not absorbing any of the information, they're just Doing it to do
0: it. You know, I think it's important that you mentioned the eight hours a day of work that's being sent home, because that's how many hours a day kids are out of the house for school, right? They get up in the morning, they get on the bus, they go to school. But I don't think people realize how much of that day is spent doing non-educational tasks, lining up to switch classrooms, to go to their electives, like art and music. Those typically happen in different classrooms. The actual amount of instruction fits right in with that 15 minutes per year of age that every kid is and i think that that's a very very good thing to point out Um, another thing right now i feel that a lot of teachers are scrambling this wasn't planned teachers had absolutely no idea that a global pandemic was going to shut down the world they've never been asked to create an entirely new system of learning with no notice and no access to resources So I think it's important to recognize that what you're being given and what's being sent home is sort of just, this is what we have to throw at this problem right now. If it's not working for you, keep those lines of communication open. Talk to your teachers. Ask what's mandatory. Chances are very little of what you've been given is actually required, if anything. And if something isn't working for you, make it known and voice those concerns to your teachers, your educators, and hopefully you'll get some change from it.
1: Yeah, that's so important. I think keeping lines of communication open because even though we might be frustrated, we do have to be patient with our with teachers because this is all new to them. And that's such an important point. Um, all right, so number four, go outside. It, for some people, this is going to be easier for, than others. If you're living in New York City, not that easy, but get outside anyway. You've got to get outside. Um we've got a dog and he's the becoming super fit. And that's pretty much our solution to that problem. <laughs> he's getting more dogs
0: walking days. in my neighborhood ever than before now.
1: <laughs>
2: the dogs <laughs> of America are all I got to say. This is awesome. <laughs> um, it's just, so. yeah, imp- but even in New York city, don't, the chance to go outside is still there. You still can go out and do your solo runs and your solo walks. I think the way it's written in poli- the policy is right now is that go outside. As long as you're together in your singular household, you can move as a collective going forward. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah, no, I think it's, it's
1: totally fine for a family unit to go out together. So um, even if you can't hit a playground, like
0: just get outside, get in nature.
1: The other Yeah. One is so here the- in
0: Delaware, all of our playgrounds are closed. Uh, they've, gone so far as to put fencing up around the playgrounds because people weren't necessarily heeding the requirements to not touch anything while you're out but you don't have to have structured playgrounds to find entertainment we have a book called one small square and it's one small square backyard and you literally line out a 12 inch by 12 inch square in your backyard and you get down on that level and examine what's happening in that square with a magnifying glass you can do it on in your yard you can do it you know, somewhere else in the neighborhood in a public space and revisit that square. It doesn't have to be Central Park in order for you to experience nature and get outside and soak up the sunshine.
1: Oh, fun. Yeah. Our big thing is like urban art. So, um, they, you can make a, with screen, not screen prints exactly, but you basically put washable paint on, uh, if you've got municipal manholes that have like the name of your town, you put washable paint on it and you can, uh, Print it onto a t shirt. They're super cool. Oh, neat. Made fun. Yeah. Um, so, and which brings us to our other thing, which is embrace the mess. Oh Having goodness, your kids yeah. home all day, you are not going to have a clean house. <laughs> a clean house is no longer a goal. Like, it's so it's just, you've got to let it go. Those of you who are used to coming home after you drop them off from school and making everything nice and shiny, forget it. Let it go. Embrace the mess. <laughs>
0: Yeah, you know, let your kids dive into the recycle bin and repurpose all of that stuff that you're waiting to put out on the curb. The number of cardboard creations that have been, you know, dreamed up and constructed in my house this week is mind-blowing. I think we have a rocket ship, we have a sailboat, and we have mice houses for the little play mice that my kids have. And they're doing the FaceTime calls with their friends who have the same toys they have and creating together. through screens in another state it's pretty great to see but the mess is definitely there and it's a trade-off they're happy and occupied and entertained and I get 10 minutes to sit down and decompress myself yeah and teach them to cook when my kids
1: were little we just I let them bake and cook and now um, my youngest is really a, a good baker when he, when he puts his mind to it he doesn't always do it every day but when he puts his mind to it he's an excellent baker
2: No, absolutely. My kids bake all the time. They wanna do something. It's like, go for it, Um, but don't be afraid of the mess. Everything can be picked up and cleaned up at some point too. I mean, a lot of people get a lot of um, twisted up in knots when things get dropped on the floor. Just, Just take it with a grain of salt. Just grab something, wipe it up. It's done, it's over with. The sweeping, if they drop flour in the kitchen, Finish baking, then clean up the mess. Don't worry about cleaning up the mess immediately because I promise the egg will go on the floor next.
1: (laughs) All right. Um, Consistent rhythms. So I have to say I am not good at this and I know it's important and I was much better at it when my kids were little. But I actually find just for myself, if I can keep to... The rhythm of getting up at the same time, walking the dog at the same time, breakfast, doing all that stuff for myself, I'm a much happier person and a much easier person to deal with. Um, I think it's more challenging when your kids are older, but it's kind of important to try to keep them in good sleep habits, good kind of regular schedule of eating, healthy eating, all of those things. But I do know that with little ones, it's critical.
0: Absolutely. And this sort of ties back into our first one up here with the good sleep, the excuse me, the good sleep and the good food equal, you know, happy kids and good health. The rhythm is very critical to that. So, you know, in our house I said we're getting to bed later right now than we typically would. And the kids are waking up when they're ready to. And we have that instituted rhythm where they wake up in the morning and they are responsible for their own breakfasts, mostly because I'm not a morning person and they know not to wake me up. It doesn't sit the tone for a good productive day in our house. So they do their own breakfast. They unload the dishwasher, they sweep the kitchen floor. And by that time, I'm usually downstairs able to function and we can dive into our day. And it really does make a huge difference in how the entire rest of the day goes if we start off on that right foot with the rhythm and routine that we're used to. What about your house, Nisha? My house, um, I'm not a morning person either. I'll just put that right out there. Um,
2: My kids, like I said, get up super early, a lot earlier than we do. So my youngest takes care of her chickens. Um, My oldest vacuums the stairs and they sweep the floor and they have breakfast. And usually they're already done their first, what we call lesson block before I'm even out of bed. Um, But yeah, the rest of the day goes um after the lesson block we have we do unstructured time usually making our snacks prepping for lunch they go outside and play for a while even at 1311 play is so crucial for their development still having time to just be kids to have nothing to do so they have to think of something to do themselves um we come back for lunch but right before lunch we do another short lesson and then we have lunch. And then after that, we're usually done for the day. That's our three blocks. That's our three and a half hours-ish. And the rest of the afternoon, they have three hours to do basically whatever they want. And then we're off to ballet. Mind you, my girls are in what we call company. So they perform semi-professionally. So they go, we have to be at ballet for 3.30 and they're not done until like nine thirty, ten o'clock
1: at Whoa, night. Oh, that's a long day. Yeah, six days a week. They practice six days a week? That's amazing. Do they have yeah. ambitions to go to school for ballet?
2: My
0: oldest wants to be a ballet teacher. My youngest wants to work with animals. Oh, cool.
2: Wow. Okay. So Sylvia,
0: your boys were in a more traditional school setting when this all started. How for has sure. being home now impacted your routines and rhythms since everything is changed for them?
1: So for my oldest, his college closed for the um, for the semester and he is doing all online courses. And I think it's really rough, actually. It's not, um, his school is is very much like seminars and discussion and small classes. I don't think any of his classes are more than 15 kids. So for them to be online all day and not personally interacting, he's finding it not that easy. Um the two younger ones are actually fine because they sort of it's a bit like we're just trying to be in the headspace of it's like a bit like being in Dubai. It's like 120 degrees outside. We're not going anywhere. We're staying home. Um we definitely over the years have spent many like long stretches of time either jet lagged or just not able to go anywhere. And so we're kind of just—I don't know—we're vibing on that. It's—we've like got—I go out every once in a while for provisions, and we feed them. Although we are running out of toilet paper, so this is going to become a problem soon.
0: I think you and everyone else in the country
1: <laughs> who has it all—that's the question. Yeah, I
0: promise you. I promise, Costco has some. I just had a
2: friend pick up. We're quarantined up here. We had a head cold last week, so we're still quarantined for a week and a half. We don't have Corona 19, but we have enough check marks that we have to be able to stay inside. So, but Costco was fully stocked with toilet paper. Tissues, on the other hand, up here in Vermont, is not so random.
1: Okay, the last one, my favorite one, but I know, Morgan, it's your, it's Morgan's like high thing, which is that there are no educational emergencies. And I love that. So Morgan, tell us more about this idea.
0: Yeah, so I didn't coin that term. It came from somewhere else, and I wish I could remember where to attribute proper credit, but it's very true. There are no educational emergencies. This is not the first time in history that formal education has been interrupted for any number of reasons, right? Wars, plagues, whatever else has happened. I think that as long as you tell yourself that they're going to survive this and not be any worse off because every other student in this world right now is in the exact same boat. I think they said half of the world's population is in quarantine right now, and that's, that's unheard of. So whatever challenges you are facing, you're not facing them alone. Everybody's in this together. I think it's also really important to remember that we are not teaching our children what they need to know. That is physically impossible. There are an abundance of career paths that people can go down and you don't know what that path is until you're on it. We are teaching them how to learn. And kids and adults even who have the ability to figure out what they need to know, when they know what that's going to be, will always be set up for success. Taking three, four, five, six months off right now, it's going to be a blip on the radar of their lives, and they're going to come out just fine if you really focus on that emotional growth and well-being and make them feel safe and loved and comfortable and meet those basic needs that they need to have met right now. Education isn't one of them.
1: Awesome. And I would add, just because I think it's funny, that second grade does not end in Harvard or incarceration.
2: Very true. All kinds
1: of things happen (laughs) in between. And so you've got to like live your life. This is not going to be the critical moment in your child's life. So those are our big seven takeaways. Nisha, you want
2: that, to That's run them down yes. for us? Um, so our seven, t- absolutely. So our big takeaways from our first podcast is um, good sleep and good food because happy kids need a lot of sleep and good food means they're gonna be healthy. Um, Learning doesn't only happen with a lesson plan or seated upon a desk. Don't be afraid to break out a board game or take a walk and view nature and discuss it or listen to the news and have rational discussions at the dinner table, that all counts. Um, You don't have to do everything. So communication, like Morgan said, is a huge key to this. So if you're coming home with oodles amount of paperwork, please pick up the phone, call your teacher, let her know, you know, this isn't working for our oldest or this isn't working for our youngest. We're finding that X, Y, and Z is the issue and we need to be able to do this and work something out with the teacher. Um, Go outside because honestly, UV exposure is great for vitamin D and keeping you healthy and sane. Embracing the mess. Don't worry about at this point having a perfect household. Trust me, we all live, All the both Sylvia and Morgan, along with myself, live at home all the time. And our house is not perfect. None of our houses are. Um, second to last is our constant rhythm. Try getting into a schedule, people. Um, and making it consistent. Especially for the younger years, they really thrive on Knowing what they did before, what they're doing now, and what they're going to do after. As long as you keep that, they're going to feel safe and they're going to feel secure. Um, last but not least, like Morgan summed up beautifully, was that there's no educational emergencies. If you're finding that your schedule is too much, it's okay to step back and breathe, readjust, and recoup. The most important thing right now is the well-being of your children going forward. So, awesome. yeah. But thank yeah. you for coming to our first podcast. Thank you guys for taking the
1: time to talk about this stuff. We look forward to hearing from our listeners. And uh, we'll see you next Monday. Thanks.
0: Yeah. Bye. Thank you so much. Have a good day. Yeah. Bye.